Hello, good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome again to church. Don't you love it when the joy of the Lord comes? I just want to share with you, there was two people. So one guy who came forward just then who had back pain, the pain completely left, and another lady with arthritis and the pain left as the joy came. Praise God. So good, so good. So how many of you guys were here last weekend for the gift? Put your hands up. Most of us, wasn't it? Amazing. I know I'm a bit biased, but seeing all the kids and the teenagers dance and sing and the worship and the carols, it was so fun to be with you guys. And, um, and I just wanted to share a couple of stories from last week. So we had 11 people who gave their life to Jesus. So they got saved last week. Um, one of them, um, my favourite little um, Isaac, so he's five years old and his parents were telling us that a few days before that he's quite nervous and he didn't even want to go in and see Santa in his grotto. Um, but then on, on Saturday he just looked up at his mum and said, I want to go forward and she went, off you go then. I'm not coming with you. And he walked forward in front of 300 people and was the first one to give his life to Jesus, which is just incredible. And there's a like a boldness that's coming on our children. I feel like there's like a mini kids revival. Well, I shouldn't say mini. There's a kids revival going on at the moment, which is so exciting. And, um, and then there was another lady who we got to chat to on Tuesday. So she gave her life to Jesus on um, Sunday and then she came to New Life um, on Tuesday. She was just telling us that like literally she came in the doors of the foyer um, out there, her heart was like beating out of her chest. She was like, I don't know what happened to me. My hands started tingling and I felt overwhelmed with emotion. She said, all the way through Steve's talk, I was just on the edge of my seat, like, come on, come on, finish. Like, I want to give my life to Jesus, just waiting to give her life to Jesus. This is what the Lord is doing in the hearts of men and women as they come into the presence of God. He's stirring and we're seeing salvation, more and more salvation. We're going to share some more stories next week as well, but just incredible what the Lord is doing. So thank you to every single person that was involved in last week and is involved every single Sunday as we do church, right? Just incredible. Um, so last week, um, Steve spoke about the gift and that is kind of our theme for Christmas. And he spoke about how actually the gift um, to us as believers is actually a succession of gifts, isn't it, from the Lord? Firstly, the gift is King Jesus, who steps down from heaven, which we're going to celebrate, right, in eight more sleeps. It's Jesus's birthday. We're going to celebrate that Jesus was born, Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't, um, it says in Philippians that he didn't um, think of himself so much that he had to grasp equality with God, but he gave it all up and became human. He took on the status of a slave and became like us. He stepped down from the holy of holies into our muck, into our dirt, into our ick. He wasn't put off by it, but he came close to us in pursuit of us. The gift of Jesus Christ, God, Emmanuel with us. That is what we're celebrating. And then we have the gift of salvation. Of course, we know he went to the cross. The name Jesus, that means the one who saves he died on the cross for our sin so that we could receive complete freedom, complete forgiveness of our sin. And then we receive his Holy Spirit, right? We receive um, this gift, this new life. As we give our lives to Jesus, we, we ask the Holy Spirit to come inside of us and he lives, he makes his home in our hearts so that we get this gift of Holy Spirit. We get to walk and talk with him and live in step with him every single day of our lives for eternity. 
And the gift that we get to give is the gospel. I don't know if you picked that up from the story last week. You know, the kids were running around with those gold boxes. I know some of them like threw them at your face. So I'm sorry about that. (laughs) But that represented the gift of the gospel that we get to now share with the world because of what Jesus has done. Every good and perfect thing is from the Lord. Every good gift is from the Lord. And what I really felt prompted to talk about today is the gift that we give in response to this gift. Now hear me, the gift of Jesus, the gift of his salvation and his Holy Spirit is free for anyone who comes to him will receive eternal life. It is free and it is available to all. But there is a response as we come face to face with the king who gave everything for us. The question is, what will our gift be to him? And we see this in the story of Jesus' birth at the Magi, the wise men. They bring gifts to King Jesus, not because they're obliged, not because they needed a gift to have an audience with Jesus, but because it's the only appropriate response when the King of Kings is in the room, is to give him our gifts, to fall face down at his feet. At the arrival of Jesus, there's two very different responses. And I guess my question to us today is, and to myself is, what is our response to Jesus? You know, when Jesus rocks up, when he's born on earth, people say, there's no room at the inn. I don't have any space for you, Jesus. I don't understand what's happening. And then there's others who travel far and wide. They travel for months, if not years, in search of King Jesus because they know the promise of the Messiah. What is our response as we come into the presence of God? We always have a choice. And when we reflect on all the Lord has done for us, his gifts, which are immeasurable, right? Like they are unfathomable. We can't understand them. They're continuous. They're unconditional. They're reckless gifts to us. He gives good gifts and we are so grateful. And when we think on that and reflect on that, the question is, what can I bring back to the God who gave me everything? And I would like to suggest that our gift to the Lord is faith. We give our worship and our time and our energy and our praise, our thanksgiving, our money, our tithes, and all of that is an act of faith. We give our faith to King Jesus. It says in Hebrews that um, it's impossible to please God without faith. And I believe he's looking for men and women who will hear his word and believe him. And do something about it. I believe he's looking for us as sons and daughters to have faith in him. To choose to believe what he says. And all the way through the Christmas story we see surrounding the arrival of Jesus. Men and women who respond in faith. Heroes of the faith. And so we're just going to take a quick look at some of those uh, this morning if that's okay. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1. Which you can, if you've got a Bible you can turn to it now. And we're going to be reading about the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah. Who were the parents actually of John the Baptist. Jesus' cousin, if you didn't know. So they, um, they, it says in the Bible that they were upright, they were blameless, they were obedient to the Lord, they were good guys, okay? But they were, um, as in husband and wife, <laughs> um, and they were well along in years. So Elizabeth was barren at this point and Zachariah is serving in the temple and it's quite clear that he's been praying for his wife um, to, to have a son. And so we're going to pick up the story. If you want to stand, if you would like to stand, we've been doing this over the last year to honour the Word of God. So we're going to read this together. Uh, so chapter 1, verse 11, let's go from. So it says this. 
Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. This is a good word to John the Baptist, um, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to you and to, I've been sent to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and will not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realised he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was complete, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people." This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. <laughs> Amazing. So Zechariah is serving inside the temple and people are praying outside. He's busy doing his job and angel, um, the angel Gabriel rocks up. And I love just to notice this, that Zechariah has an encounter with an angel and a word from the Lord in the middle of what he's doing, in the middle of serving in the temple and you know, we don't have to be soaking for four hours in our room on our own to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> we can be going about our service. We can be going about our day. I believe that the Lord wants to speak every single day, multiple times a day to his children. And so it's just amazing that Gabriel rocks up and he's surrounded, um, Zachariah's surrounded in an atmosphere of miracles. And Gabriel explains that he will um, bear a son that actually um, he's going to have a son, Elizabeth is going to be pregnant, and there's a few other commandments around um, John, who's going to be his son, and, and it's just interesting that actually the word comes with some instruction, that actually there's, there's a partnership that the Lord wants to have with Zechariah in order to raise up John, and sometimes with the word that we receive, there's some instruction that we get to partner with. But anyway, it's not, um, just, just granted, it's not Zachariah's finest hour of faith, okay? So just a few lessons for us to learn. Never question the validity of the promised when an angel is in front of you. So the angel says to him in verse 18 um, that he's going to have a son. And Zachariah says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along. How can I really be sure of this? There was unbelief, right? And in that moment, he ends up not being able to speak. And I think that this is so interesting, right? So Zachariah can't speak for about nine months or, or more, maybe a bit more. And it's really interesting that it's almost as if the Lord protects the promise from the voice of unbelief. It's almost as if I'm not going to let you speak because I don't want this unbelief 
to be contagious. I want Elizabeth to, to, to um, have this season of um, nurturing her child in the womb without this voice of unbelief. And maybe that is, for us, something to remember. Maybe we need to silence sometimes the voice of unbelief in our lives. Maybe the the Lord has given you a word, a promise about your future or about your healing or about your children or whatever it might be, but you hear some opinions of the world or some things that might dilute it. Or maybe even for ourselves, we can start to partner with unbelief. And the word here is, don't let that happen. Don't give unbelief attention. We're not to dilute the word of God. We're to stay firm and true to what he said. He doesn't change his mind. He speaks truth and we're to believe in what he says, not what the world says. And so um, Zachariah goes home and he, it's quite funny, like you can imagine him doing like charades or something to try and explain to Elizabeth what's happened. And anyway, Elizabeth gets pregnant, which is amazing, but there's no, she doesn't have an angel visit her. She doesn't have any logical explanation as to why she's suddenly pregnant. And yet she says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace. She has faith. She knows that this gift is from heaven. This miracle has happened because it's the Lord. And you can read the rest of the story in Luke chapter one, but it's just amazing because the moment that um, that Zachariah's mouth opens up is the moment that he partners again with faith. So Elizabeth gives birth to her son and everyone around is saying, he should be called Zachariah because his dad's called Zachariah, right? He should be called Zachariah. And Elizabeth says, no, his name is John. And they say, but no one in your family is called John. You should call him Zachariah. Let's see what dad thinks. And so they hand him like the pen and paper or whatever they wrote on those days. And Zachariah writes out the name John and he shows the room. And in that moment, he's able to speak. His mouth opens up. Why? Because he's partnering again with the word, with the promise. He's being obedient And actually his faith is proved in obedience. If there's anything we can learn from this story is that faith is proved in obedience. Faith and obedience are two sides of the same coin. Will we actually trust him enough to do what he said? Will we actually do something with the word that he's given us? It requires a partnering on our part. Faith is proved in obedience. And then, of course, you have Mary. And what I want to say about Mary is that faith lets us partner with God. It's incredible. So she, again, you can read the story in Luke 1. She gets an, uh, a visit from Angel Gabriel. I feel like Gabriel is like the one who announces all of the births, right? Um, but Gabriel shows up and says to Mary, do not be afraid. You found favour with God. You'll be with a child. You'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be the son of the most high. And Mary responds, and it's really interesting just to notice the difference in her question with Zachariah's question. So Zachariah says, how can I be sure Like, give me some proof. Is this really going to happen? There's an element of unbelief there. But Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Two very different questions. And when we hear the promises of God, in our hearts do we say, can? Can you really do it? Can I really be sure of this? Or do we say, yes, it will be, but how? Do you notice the difference? Actually, there's a, there's a truth, when, there's a, a confidence when we hear the word of the Lord and we say, yes, it will be done. I do believe you, God, but how? 
It's okay to ask for some instructions. And the angel, um, thankfully, doesn't silence Mary, right? Great news. Um, and she goes on, um, Gabriel goes on to explain that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and this is how it's going to happen. And even now your relative Elizabeth is pregnant for nothing is impossible with God. Do we believe it? There's an invitation for us to partner. And Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you said. Would we be a people that say, let it be according to your word, O God. You know, when we hear that, that voice, when we hear Holy Spirit and he promises us or he um, gives us a word, would we say, let it be, let it be, God, just as you've said, I believe you at your word. There's, um, there's a beautiful lady in our, um, young girl in our congregation and about a year ago, maybe a little bit more, she gave her life to Jesus and, um, and she uh, got baptised and then on the back of that came to me and just said, Rach, I'm pregnant. Not the, the dream of the situation, but what a gift. This child is a gift to me. And we went along to um, the scan together, the first ever scan. And I just remember hearing like the heartbeat of this baby. And obviously we were celebrating and we kept saying he, like his heartbeat. And I wonder what he's going to be called. And we didn't even know the sex. But anyway, we went home and, um, and basically this, this girl has a dream and an angel appears to her in the dream. And I don't know if it was Gabriel or not, but I'm just saying, he seems to be in the business of announcing births. But anyway, um, like Gabriel, like, well, an angel rocks up in her dream and it's all white and basically says to her, you're going to have a son and his name's going to be Ezekiel. And she looks up what Ezekiel means and it means God's strength. The Lord is my strength, which was so important for her situation, right? And then anyway, 20 week scan, we go along together. It's a boy. Can I just be really honest? I was like, well, it might not be. It might not. I wasn't very full of faith. I was like, well, we, we think it might be a boy, but we're not sure. Um, but she was like, it's a boy. I know it is. And then the midwife came out and was like, it's a boy. And I was like, okay, you win. Yeah, true. Um, and, and then there was um, like a health complication. I won't go into details, but basically they just said there's this thing that could happen and and there was just such a peace on this young girl she sat there and she just was like there's nothing wrong with him like he is going to be born he's a son he's going to be healthy his name is Ezekiel God is his strength and nothing's going to change that and we now have an eight-week-year-old in this church called Ezekiel who is doing well no health complications now, this young girl partnered with what the Lord had said. She was obedient to the word. And that is the joy that we get to partner with God in the promises over our children, our friends, our lives. We get to partner in his great story, right? That is the invitation that we get. And then you have Joseph. Oh, Joseph, such a legend. So what I want to say about Joseph is that faith requires humility and trust. So we read about him in Matthew 1. Um, Joseph basically was, was due to be married to Mary, right? So he's, um, he's got this fiance, Mary, and suddenly she's pregnant, but she's a virgin. So he's probably a little bit confused and um, a bit shocking. But thankfully, he goes to sleep one night and an angel comes and appears to him. Probably not Gabriel, it doesn't say. Um, but basically, he says to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. And Joseph, I love this, Joseph wakes up from that dream, and immediately, he's obedient to the word of God. 
He doesn't wake up and think, well, I wonder whether that was the Lord. Let me just go and chat to all my mates, see if Mary's a good fit for me. Like, see if actually, like, I need to go and pray and fast about this. Now, hear me, I'm not mocking any of those things. It's good to get Christian counsel, okay? Wise counsel from godly men and women. But when you know it's the Lord, you know it's the Lord. And he wakes up and he's like, I'm going to do exactly what I'm told. Praise God. God, for men who do what they're told. (laughs) The Lord. The Lord tells them what to do, right? He literally, Joseph wakes up and he says, I will take her home as my wife. I will give him the name Jesus, my son, the name Jesus. Like straight away, he hears the word. He goes, oh, right, I know what to do. I'm going to do as I'm told by the Lord. And he just, he partners with the promise of God. He believes the word and he proves it through action. He has to be humble. He doesn't um, look at the situation and think, well, actually, this is going to get me in a bit of difficulty. Like, I can't imagine the conversations with the in-laws or whatever else. He says, actually, I'm going to trust in what the Lord has said. And it says in the Bible that we walk by faith and not by sight. And we need to remember that, that actually, that means that by definition, faith is that we would... um, walk in obedience to the word before we see anything. We walk by faith and not by sight, which means we often don't see clearly before we actually have to step out in risk, step out in faith and trust what the Lord has said. I want to just share another story about another incredible woman in our church. Um, So she has had a really difficult last year, 18 months, um, where her husband has um, died and she has been promoted to glory. But she, on the back of that, has just gone ahead and preached the gospel over and over again. I think the last time I spoke to her, she's seen three people give their lives to Jesus. And one of those people was at Food Bank. So she um, serves at our, our food bank here. And one of the guys came in for a food parcel and he left with Jesus Christ, right? He gave his life to Jesus. She led him through a prayer of salvation. And then a couple of weeks later, he was just on her heart and she left church. And in the car, she just felt this nudging of the Holy Spirit to go to Aldi which is often what it's like with Holy Spirit, isn't it? We don't always get like Gabriel rocking up. Like we often just get this this nudge, this gut feeling of Holy Spirit. I think Holy Spirit is saying this. And she partnered with that word and was obedient. And so she drove to Audi. And outside of Audi, she saw this this man that that she'd led through a prayer of salvation. And he was sitting on the floor asking for money. And he was reading the track. He had the track with him of the, the resource that she'd given him. And she was able to go over and encourage him. The Lord has sent me to you today. Like the Lord has sent me to pray for you. The Lord has sent me to encourage you. How incredible that we get to be the ones like this guy. The Lord cares so much about this guy that he would send a daughter to him in that situation. And we get to partner with the Lord over and over again. We're not obliged, but we're invited to partner with the Lord as we actually take steps of obedience. So cool. And then you've got the shepherds. So we know the famous um, nativity story, right? They, the angels rock up and they say to the shepherds, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And in that moment, the shepherds drop everything. They leave their sheep and they go on this journey of seeking out Jesus. Faith always leads us to Jesus. It always leads us to an encounter with Jesus. 
And there's this beautiful symbolism here, right, that the Lord in his coming would, would send messengers to the sheep, um, to the shepherds, and to the sheep, I guess, to the, to the shepherds, but also to the wise, that he would come to the, to the lowly and the meek of this world and become the great shepherd, the arrival of the great shepherd, us. And he would also come and bring good news to the wise and the wealthy. The Lord is for all. The Lord comes and it it affects every single person around the birth of Jesus. And so when the shepherds hear this word that Jesus is here, the saviour of the world, they drop everything and they go. And you know, for us, we can get so busy. I don't want to become so busy that I don't hear the word of the Lord in any moment, right? That actually as God speaks, would we be a people, would I be a person, who, a daughter, who just drops what I'm doing, I hear the word and I run after it because I want to be led to Jesus. And I know that whenever he speaks, he leads me closer to a relationship with him. He, le- he leads me deeper into the presence of God. And so the shepherds hurry off and they go and see the baby and they must have seen, pretty ep- um, seen something pretty epic, right? But they go away worshipping and praising Jesus and telling everyone the good news of his arrival. And then you've got, last but not least, the Magi or the wise men. And you can read their story in Matthew 2, but um, we know that they have studied the scriptures. And by the way, they're not kings and we don't know that there's three of them. They're wise men and it says that they bought three gifts, but there might have been a whole load of them. Um, But anyway, these guys, maybe girls as well, I don't know, guys and girls, they have been studying the scriptures and the promises about Jesus. And they've worked out from all of kind of the numbers and the the codes and they were wise, okay, they were really smart. And they'd worked out when Jesus would be arriving. And so they believed the prophecies enough to be on the lookout They believed the truth enough that Jesus was coming, the Messiah was coming, that they were waiting eagerly in anticipation for his arrival. And at that moment, they see the star that shines above his manger, right? The the star that shines that they follow. And that symbolised two things. Firstly, the star was this this, um, symbol of something new. They were stargazers, so they looked out every night and they saw this star that was new. There's something new that's happening But secondly, it also represents the bright and morning star, Jesus Christ, right? The arrival of Jesus. And so they're believing the word of God. They're looking out eagerly, anticipating his arrival. And then this star comes. And again, they leave to follow the star, to find this Messiah. And they had faith and it looked like something. Again, I want to say to you, do you remember they had gifts that they bought? They bought gold, frankincense and myrrh. And even in those gifts, they were acts of faith being bought to to Jesus. So gold, I mean, who brings gold to a baby? Sorry, but if you bought, I mean, I'd probably be really pleased as the mum. But gold isn't a very practical gift for a baby, right? But you do bring gold to a king. You do bring gold to a king. And so gold symbolized this symbolise this belief that the, the wise men knew that they were coming before the king of kings and they were to bring gold at his feet. And then you have frankincense. We've all watched the nativities, right? You bring frankincense. And this was like an incense used in the, in the temples at offering time. And so that, that symbolised that they were coming before the high priest, Jesus Christ. 
right? That they were, they were actually, they were bringing this frankincense as an offering to declare that Jesus was the high priest, the arrival of the high priest. And then you have myrrh. And myrrh was this um, like embalming oil that actually was used to put on those that were dying, the dead. It represented Jesus' death. They literally gave a gift of myrrh to a baby to represent, or a toddler, to represent his death, that he was going to, the kind of death that he was going to die. And so they bring gold for a king, frankincense for a high priest, and myrrh for the lamb who was going to be slain. Their gifts represented their faith because they knew who they were in the presence of. It's incredible. And as they arrive, they bow down and they worship at a manger. And I just want to say, like, they weren't in the throne room of God. It wasn't like they got there and they were like, oh, yeah, we've got it right. Clearly, this is the king of kings, you know, the, the resurrected king, the throne room. They arrived to a, to a humble stable of Mary and Joseph. They probably arrived to, like, animals around them. And they didn't think and go, oh, I must have got the word wrong. See you later. I must have knocked on the wrong stable. They didn't, they didn't let the circumstances dictate their faith, is what I'm trying to say. They came and they knew who they were in the presence of, despite what was happening around them. They walked by faith and not by sight. And they partnered with the present. They partnered, sorry, with the promise, not the present situation. They knew the word of God over Jesus. And that's what they aligned themselves with, not the current situation. And we want to do that, right? We want to be a people, be a people of faith. That even when God says, I want to heal the sick, that we would believe that enough that despite the circumstances, despite it being maybe an impossible situation, we say, no, we're going to hold firm to the promise of God and we're going to keep pushing in. We're going to act in obedience because we know what the Lord has said. Maybe it's over a son or a daughter who no longer is following the faith. Maybe it's over our finances or whatever it is. Would we be a people who believe the word of God and trust him at his word? Amen? We want to actually follow in obedience. And so what I'm saying is that the arrival of Jesus always requires a response. Whenever he rocks up. He requires a response. We have a choice when Jesus is in the room. We can say, there's no room at the inn. I don't have space for you, Jesus. Or I don't understand, so I'm going to shut the door. Or we are like the wise men. We bring gifts. We know who we're in the presence of. And we say, Jesus, you can have it all. You can have all of it. And our gift is a faith response. And sometimes... Um, I want to say sometimes our, the promise, the word over us doesn't always, it feels costly, doesn't it? Sometimes. A few years ago, probably about eight or nine years ago, actually, I um, heard the word of the Lord tell me to, to give up like my dance company. So some of you know this story, but I was just thinking about it again this past week. But I grew up sort of going to, you know, all the dance and drama stuff. And then I did a degree in dance and I set up a company. And I really honestly thought that that was what my life was going to be. You know, like I want to be my own boss and I want to run a dance company and I want to do all of this stuff. And I thought that that's what life was. And then I heard the call of God to start to step into ministry and eventually give over the dance company. Company. And I, hear me, hear me, it was an easy choice because I loved church, but it was costly. 
And I think from that point, I felt like, oh, that side of the dance and the creativity, I've always had to lay that down. And yet last week, I want to say, the privilege of being a part of the Kramer art stuff that we saw, the dance and the drama and telling the story of Jesus Christ. I left this building on Sunday evening and I burst into tears, honestly, in my car as I was just so thankful, so overwhelmed with gratitude that the Lord always gives us a better gift than we've laid down at his feet. Every time we give something up for the Lord because he said so, he restores it all. He gives us something so much better. We can trust this good heavenly Father. He doesn't ask us to give stuff up because he's wanting us to suffer in some way. He asks us to lay down our crowns at his feet so that he can restore us again and give us something even better. He is a good father and we can trust him at his word. This is the invitation that we have from him. Would we, in this season, would we be expectant to hear the word of the Lord, just like the wise men? Would we be looking out for his signs, looking out for his voice, looking out for his word? Speak, Holy Spirit, I'm ready. Would we be like Mary and Zechariah and Joseph who say, yes, sir, you said it, so it's yes, sir. I'm going to prove my faith in obedience and in action. I'm going to do something about it. Would we be like the shepherds who drop everything in pursuit of Jesus, knowing that faith always leads us to the person of Jesus Christ? And would we be like the Magi, the wise men who lay it all down because we know who we're in the presence of? This is the invitation that we have Hear me, the gifts that Jesus gives us, the gifts that God gives us are free, okay? Whoever comes to the Father, whoever comes to Jesus, receives eternal life in all its fullness. We are not obliged. But the only response when the King of Kings is in the room is to lay down our lives and give him everything and partner with him in faith so that we get to be part of the greatest story ever. Amen? Good news, only six minutes past. Why don't you guys stand?